Welcome to On the Prowl. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of On the Prowl podcast. I'm your host, Robert Roden. And I'm Ramey Johnson. Thank you for listening to us today. Today on this episode, we have Mark Giannato with us from Giannato and Jeffrey on 92.9 FM ESPN Radio here in Memphis. Welcome to the show, Mark. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for coming on. How are you doing today, man? Oh, not bad, not bad. Just trying to get through this heat, get to get to July 4th, you know, go on vacation, trying to get to vacation. But uh, yep. yeah, it is plenty tough. of news to get me through. Yeah, about two, two and a half more weeks. And with all the news, like you said, I think I think we'll be all right. I can't even keep up with all this NBA news we're having. Dude, it's insane. I can't wait for trades and free agency to begin. Dude, it's going to be insane whenever that whenever that all goes. Right. Well, let's dive deep into this because we've got some things we've got to be here shortly. But what got you into sports? Sports or sports journal? Sports? Like sports, like a fan. Yeah, like a fan. Well, it's it's weird. So when I was growing up, I grew up in the Washington D.C. area and like the Maryland suburbs. And my first memory as a sports fan is probably it's the 1991 Super Bowl when the they were called the Washington Redskins then the Washington Football Team won the Super Bowl. And then the other like indelible memory from that time in my life that made me a sports fan is. My dad used to subscribe to Sports Illustrated. And one year, this is, you guys probably don't know about, like they'd send like as part of subscribing to the magazine, get it in the mailbox every week. You could like get you, they'd send you like a gift. Sometimes it was like a windbreaker or sweatshirt or something like that. Right. And one year, one of the gifts was this video, like a VCR tape that was the year in sports, 1991. And I probably watched that video like <laughs> 200 times. And so all the teams that were good in 1991 became like my favorite teams. So like the Redskins won the Super Bowl that year. So I was a Redskins fan. That that made sense because I grew up in the D.C. area. But like that was when Mike Krzyzewski and Duke won their first national championship. So I grew up a Duke fan. Um, the Pittsburgh Penguins won the Stanley Cup Finals. So at first I was a Penguins fan gotcha. and um, so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, so it, that those are kind of two things that pop into my head of how did I really get into sports? It was, I remember my first memory of watching sports is the Redskins winning the Super Bowl, And then that videotape that I watched over and over again, I, that for whatever reason, when you ask that question, that's what that that's the memory. Those are the memories that trigger. Yeah, and then it became lifelong. I mean, that's something that's never gonna gonna leave your side. That's always gonna be there. Yeah, I mean, look, it's. I mean, I you know I set out to be you know I I write for the commercial appeal and I talk about sports on the radio with ninety two nine and um, there's not many people who get to say like just watching games is their job. Part of it is like like I get paid to watch games. It's like really, I'm I'm really really fortunate and lucky um, to be able to do what I do and it's. You know, I, I told myself when I was in college um, and, uh, you know, I was younger, like I wanted to make a living in sport um, because, uh, you know, I was so passionate about watching and playing sports growing up. Oh, yeah. um, I didn't want a traditional nine to five job and, and I don't have it. And uh, it's 
you know, sports, it's, it's every, you know, it's, it's a huge part of my life. Um, sometimes too, too big a part of my life, but it's a huge <laughs> part of my life. Uh, sports, you know, given what I do and, and what I love watching and, and, and doing. Yeah. Like you said, I mean, in the moment it can be kind of, kind of stressful, but I mean, it's, it's a great thing. It's definitely great. So now we're going to shift over to, like you said, sports journalism. So talk more about how was your time at the university of Michigan? Uh, I mean, it was great. It was, that's where I, you know, decided I wanted to do this for a living. Um, you know, I went to, when I went, I didn't work for the school paper in high school, but when I went to Michigan, I said I was a pretty good writer um, or natural writer, I guess, you know, I was good in English classes. I was, I was an English, English and social studies guy, not really a math and science guy uh, as a kid. And I said, you know what, I, I want to try out writing for the school paper. I didn't know if I'd like it or not. Uh, and my freshman year, I, I worked at the Michigan Daily, which was the student newspaper at University of Michigan. I was, I did a bunch of stuff, but I ended up covering the, you know, the wrestling team that year because I wrestled in high school. Um, and, and, you know, at the Daily, you know, you don't just get put on the football beat or the basketball beat. You got to earn it. You know, you got to work your way up. Oh, yeah. Junior and a senior, you get to cover stuff like that. But so I did wrestling my first year and, and really enjoyed covering it. And then my sophomore year I worked at the paper again, and I got, I got assigned the hockey beat, like the ice hockey team and the Michigan ice hockey team is, it's a really big deal at Michigan. Uh, and that is when that year I was traveling all over like Michigan and uh, Minnesota and Wisconsin and Illinois. I was going all these like random Ohio, all these random, <laughs> hockey arenas around the Midwest. I just loved it. I loved being on the road with the team. I loved chronicling like a season for the team. Um, you know, I loved the road trips, going to these new places I'd never been before, you know, going to these arenas that I'd never been before. Some, you know, especially when you're covering hockey at that point, there was no big 10 hockey conference. So it was like, I was going to like, Ferris State University, which is in Big Rapids, Michigan. And like when Michigan comes to town to play at Fair State, it's like a huge deal there. But it was just really exciting. And that was when I decided, I was like, you know what? I'd really love to do this as a job. Um, and then my last two years, I covered the basketball team at Michigan because uh, it's my favorite sport. Um, and you know, so, and so really like that time at the Michigan daily, it was like, I was in school but by my junior year. Once I realized that like, this is what I want to do, you know, I almost, I, you know, I don't know if this is the best advice, but like, it's not, probably not the best advice for any other profession, but I basically put in my head, I go, I, my grades don't really matter that much anymore. I just need to graduate writing samples and what I do at the Michigan daily is going to be more important if I want, if I want to get into journalism. So, you know, it became like a full-time job for me in college, um, work for the school paper. I was an editor at night, um, helping put the paper together. I was on the editorial board, you know, I wrote obviously. And so that time at Michigan really set the foundation for, for, what I'm doing now in a lot of ways, it really, it, it was what convinced me this is what I want to do with the rest of my life. Yeah. 
Well, you, you mentioned your time with Michigan sports, but your roots are always in the DMV. So how would you say uh, your time was working with uh, certain sports around the DMV area? I mean, it was great. I got to work at the Washington Post for seven years, which is the paper I grew up reading. Like that, how, like I, my, my mom used to always say, like, I learned how to read. Mm-hmm. by reading the sports section every morning. <laughs> Nothing uh, wrong with Washington that. Post. Um, and no, I got to cover, you know, all sorts of stuff, college sports, the cap Washington capitals, high school sports. I wrote stories for the Washington post magazine. I got to do a lot of different things there uh, and work at, you know, my hometown paper. And, uh, um, it was a lot of fun. It was hard at times just because, you know, I did come up a DC area sports fan and you have to, you got to drop that when you're covering the teams. Um, you can't really be a fan or you're not supposed to be. Um, you know, that, that, that line's kind of changing these days. There's, you know, more of that now than, than before, but the way I operate is, you know, I, you don't, you don't want to show any favoritism yeah. towards anyone. Um, so you want to remain objective. So that was difficult at the time just because, you know, I grew up a Washington Redskins fan and wizards fan and capitals fan. And, um, even the national, the nationals didn't come to DC till I was in college, but still nonetheless it was you know it you know but it was fun too um you know getting to go behind the scenes and talk to these characters and people who you know i grew up kind of idolizing as a fan that was it was it was great um and then working at a place like the washington post i mean it's you know one of the iconic media brands in in the entire country and uh you know, to be, to be able to say I was a small, very small part of that for seven years, you know, will forever be something I cherish. Yeah, for sure. Well, now you're obviously here in Memphis. So what brought you or got you into the city of Memphis and working with Memphis sports? Yeah. So I was, you know, I was at the post for seven years and, and, and to be perfectly honest, like I, I was the lead high school sports reporter there towards the end, my last couple of years there. And, you know, I, I wanted to do a little more than that. Um, I wanted to get back into college sports coverage or pro sports coverage. I'd done it previously at the post and, you know, ultimately I didn't see um, a direct path there at the post anymore uh, to get to that point. And, and um, a buddy of mine who used to work at the Washington times was working at the commercial appeal. His name was Tom Shad. He covered Memphis football at the time. Um, he now works at USA Today, but he called me up one day. I remember I was driving, it was like right before Thanksgiving 2016, and I was driving to a high school football playoff game. And he called me and was like, Hey, would you be interested in covering Memphis basketball commercial appeal? Like, we got a job open, um, and my boss is interested in you. And I was like, Yeah, sure, but why, why not? I, I'd never been to Memphis before, to be honest. Um, and uh, but I was, you know, I knew. I had known Josh Pastner a little bit from some other stuff I had done coverage wise. And, and I had actually randomly the last two times Memphis basketball played in the NCAA tournament when they, I guess it was 2013, they lost to Michigan state in Auburn Hills. Yeah. And then 2014, they lost to university of Virginia in Raleigh as luck would have it randomly. I was assigned cover those games by the Washington post. Um, I was the Virginia beat writer when they lost to Virginia 
And then the year before that, I was like VCU was also at uh, Auburn Hills. So I was there covering VCU, but you know, it's the national paper. So they have you cover every, you know, you write about every game. So I had, I was familiar with Memphis and how passionate everyone was about Memphis basketball, Memphis sports here in the city. So it intrigued me to be in a place where people are so passionate about sports. Um, but also the position intrigued me. Like I was kind of stuck at the post Washington post and, and here was a chance to, to do something different. And, but it was, it was a big chance. It was a big leap of faith because I had, you know, I came here for an interview and that's the first time I'd ever been to Memphis. And then I took the job and three weeks later I was driving from D, you know, I packed up my car and drove from DC to Memphis on January 1st, the morning of January 1st, 2017. Wow. Uh, my wife joined me a couple months later in April. But, um, that, that's how I got here. And it was, you know, it's funny. It's like, it, you know, in the moment you're really worried because I'm like forcing my wife to, moved to a place neither of us are really familiar with. We didn't know anyone here really. Um, but in retrospect, now that's four and a half, almost five years ago and going on five years now. Um, I, it, it's probably the best decision I've ever made. Um, cause I, I love it here. Um, it's worked out great for my career, both, you know, through, reasons that are, you know, I created, but also just good timing and luck and all those sorts of things, you know, like it's a mixture of both my, you know, both I'm, you know, I, I think I've blossomed a little bit here as a writer and reporter and what have you, but I've also gotten really lucky and things have worked out timing wise that, you know, you couldn't have predicted, For sure. uh, but it's been, you know, it's been amazing getting to know the, the people here and the culture here. It's such a unique place. Um, and I just love it. I'm so comfortable here. And I love it. But what I just tell people is, you know, probably more people read my stuff at the Washington Post just because it's such a big outlet, you know, yeah. like a big audience. But you didn't, you know, at, at a place at the Washington Post, like you're just one little, you're like a small little peon in a big galaxy. And like what you write, it sometimes it doesn't feel like it matters that much. And here in Memphis, you know, it's such a tight knit community, this overgrown small town, like people say. And then also you add on the fact that just people love their sports here. I just love that whether whether people like what I write or don't like what I write, you know, you feel like you're breaking through and what you write matters and has an impact on the community. And it's it's a really good feeling. And it's 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 a lot of fun to write for a community like that that is so passionate. And, and we'll tell you how you feel for, for better or worse. Oh, yeah. So how did you end up connecting with Jeffrey Wright and doing the show, Leonardo and Jeffrey? Um, that was kind of just, I think, like, again, a good timing, maybe. Um, you know, Eric Hasseltine to do the show in our time slot. And uh, he just decided, like, it wasn't like, you know, he got fired or anything. Like, he just decided he didn't want to do the show anymore. He's the voice of the Grizzlies. He had enough on his plate with that. And, you know, so he decided to step away and, um, you know, they needed a, I guess a co-host and, you know, I, I guess hosted a couple times for Gary Parish and, um, I, I did a weekly spot on Jason and John show. I'd been on Jeff Calkins show, uh, quite a bit, you know, I'd been a guest, a regular guest on the station. And I guess, 
you know, they liked what they heard when I was a guest. And so they, uh, you know, ultimately decided to tap me. I, I'd like to say I was, pro- I was their first choice. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> I think there were some other, uh, maybe not necessarily people, but all, but some, uh, considerations made before they ended up uh, teaming me and Jeffrey up. But, you know, I knew Jeffrey a little bit because he was the producer of Jeff's show, but I didn't know him very well until we started doing the show together. Um, But it's, it's really worked out. We've, we've made a, we've made a good team together. Oh yeah. Well, you've been here for about, like you said, going on five years. I wanted to add something to the end of his. Uh, So yeah, Mark, we've, we enjoy listening to y'all. Y'all, you, you and Jeffrey and Jason and John, y'all are y'all are all our role models, and that's who we model after. So, that y'all are who we look up to. I don't so know if that's good or bad, but I appreciate it. <laughs> all right, it's a good thing because <laughs> y'all have the jobs. Y'all have the job that we want to have in the future. Mm-hmm. It's a sports radio show here in Memphis. Yeah, no, it's 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 something that's just you know it's partly like talent, it's partly persistence, and it's partly just you know you got to get the right breaks. It's like a lot of things, um, and relationships and all those. Sort of, it's like you know, in in, in in some ways, being in sports radio or journalism is, um, it's unique, it's different, you know, but it's also similar to a lot of industries as well. Um, the same things that you know, get you a job and, you know, finance or whatever, uh, is the same way you get a job in, in journalism. You got, you know, again, you gotta, you gotta have the skills, but you also gotta have kind of the awareness relationships and, and a little bit of luck. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But, uh, like I was saying before, um, you've been here for about, about four and a half, five years at this point, like you said, mm-hmm. going on five, um, what would you say is the biggest difference in terms of the like DMV area in Memphis, whether that be in terms of the sports culture, the culture of the cities slash area? What, what um, biggest difference? I mean, just the size. I mean, you know, the D.C. area. And then if you add in Baltimore, too, it's just there's a lot more people. I mean, oh, yeah. it's, um, so the the scene is bigger. Um, and then, you know, D.C. is a pro sports town. You know, like the biggest, the biggest stuff in DC is, you know, the Redskins or the Washington football team and, and the nationals and the capitals and the wizards. And then like, you know, when Maryland basketball is good and Georgetown basketball is good, you know, people are into it. And, you know, every, every once in a while, Maryland football is all right. So people get into that, but like, you know, whereas here it's, you know, there's not as much stuff you know all you got it you know you have the grizzlies and then you've got tigers football tigers basketball you got you know 9-1 fc and the redbirds but it's you know here the intensity and passion for like university of memphis sports is so different than the dmv like you don't have even just like and then just the whole basketball culture like there's a basketball subculture in dc the dc area like dc area produces as many basketball recruits and NBA players as anywhere in the country. Oh yeah. You know, probably, probably produces double the amount the Memphis area does just because there's so many more people. Oh yeah, for sure. Like per capita, it's probably similar, like, you know, but like people in DC don't know about like 
the young up and coming basketball stars in DC, like people in Memphis know about like the young, good basketball recruits in Memphis. Like it's a more localized thing in Memphis because it's smaller because there's less teams. It's not, you know, there's only one major pro sports team. Um, So that, that would, that's what I would say is the biggest difference. It's like, it just, you know, here in here in here in Memphis, we could be talking University of Memphis hoops any day of the week on the radio throughout the entire year. And that's just not going to happen in DC. DC, they can talk about the Redskins or the Washington football team every day of the year, no matter when it is. It's so it's I would say the biggest difference is DC's just like it's much more focused on the pro sports teams. And, and the other part is DC's got a lot of transplants, you know, it's like the, a lot of federal government workers, people, you know, military people who, you know, like I'm a, I'm a rarity or I'm a, not a rarity, but like I'm a minority in the DC area in the sense that I grew up in the DC area and, you know, and that sort of thing. Most, a lot of the people who live there grew up in other places and moved to DC. Yeah. In Memphis, it's the opposite. A lot of people, grew up in Memphis and then end up settling here for their adult lives. Um, there's not as many transplants uh, as there are in the DC area. So again, it's a, it's a, I don't know. They're both passionate fan bases, but Memphis's is just different. It's like a more, uh, more localized, more of a, you know, I don't know, both have intense spotlights, but they're different spotlights because the Memphis one is like, it almost feels like your neighbor is critiquing you because everyone knows everyone, you know, whereas yeah. in DC, it's like this much bigger swap of people. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, our time is is wrapping up here shortly. So I'm going to kind of skim through this question with you. So mm-hmm. we've got obviously Tiger football season is about to start here mm-hmm. in the next few months and they're in off season and camps are just getting underway and along with recruiting and official visits. And then also the same with, Tigers basketball. We've got a couple of, I believe, two roster spots left, and there I think one more if one guy leaves, like if Musa leaves. But also, there's a couple of staff spots to fill on the Tigers basketball. So if you're able to, if you're not, it, then you don't have to answer it. But what are your predictions for the Tigers basketball off season? For the off season, well. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they got a bunch, they got, they probably have to hire two assistant coaches. It looks like Uh, they got to hire a strength and conditioning coach, some grad assistants, a video coordinator. It's a lot of positions, but really the most important ones are the assistant coaches and, and, and the strength and conditioning coach. And, you know, I expect you'll probably, there'll probably be some hiring soon, maybe not all of them, but a couple hiring soon. Um, You know, as for the roster, I think maybe Memphis will add one more. It sounds like, what Penny said to me last week was, or it was two weeks ago, whenever I talked to him, um, he was saying that they might add a reclass kid. So uh, someone who's technically supposed to be a rising senior in high school, who kind of like what Musa did, you know, move up a year almost, they might get one more kid and one more recruit that way. So um, I, I, I think, you know, Penny saying that it feels like, he's confident he might get one like that. So I would say maybe they add one more player between now and the start of the season. And, you know, they'll hire, you know, they'll fill those spots eventually. I mean, 
you know, I guess it's a little concerning that they're going into July and they haven't filled them, but you know, pennies, it doesn't seem to be hindering penny that much so far. So, um, so with GA, are all the GA spots filled for basketball? Because I know I don't know. I mean, those are like normal things that you have to fill every year, anyways. You know, like graduate assistants don't last more than well, a year or two. I wanted anyways. to say that. I wanted to say that because yesterday on Instagram, Mardrakis Wade announced that he's going with Madlock to be a full-time assistant at South Carolina State. So I didn't yeah, know. I think that happened. A while, even though he announced it, yeah, day, like that happened a while ago. And like, like I said, that sort of stuff is pretty routine. Like you got to replace mm-hmm. assistants every year. Yeah. Tigers lost. I, like, frankly, I'm going to guess there's guys lying. You know, it's like one of those things where I remember when I interviewed at ESPN once um, when I was coming out of college. And like one of the things they say to you is like, if you're not willing to do XXX and X, we've got like a room full of resumes of people who are willing to do XXX and X. And I suspect that's the same thing with like a grad assistant. Like, it's a tough job. Um, I do know we lost two. Mark Drakus and then Coach Jeremy Kipnis went to LMU. Gotcha. Well, you know, like I said, I, I'm not too worried about the staff ultimately because I'm I'm sure they'll be, you know, they'll find someone. Oh, yeah. uh, and ultimately they got Penny is the face of this thing. I, as long as Penny's there. Harry Porter. Yeah, I don't Harry know. I, I just don't know if one hire is going to really make that much of a difference. You know, it sounds like there's there's rumblings that maybe Larry Brown gets hired. That would be a really intriguing. That's what I meant. Not Larry Porter. The year. Larry I was about Br- to say Larry Porter. We, yeah, Larry we Porter's the the football coach. Yeah, we don't yeah. we don't miss we don't miss him. Not good. We don't we don't miss him. Yeah, and then and then football. You know, I think it all. Well, uh, the big question is who's the quarterback and how good is he? You know, like that's that's really going to decide how the football season goes. Makes sense. Are you expecting any higher players who don't get a starting job to transfer out on the football team, or do you think everyone stays? Or I think well, I'm we sure have- not everyone's going to stay because in this era, yeah. lots of transfer. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be. You know, they're probably. I'm like, expecting a quarterback to quarterback transfer. spot. Whoever doesn't win that job at quarterback, like that's the way it works. Like those guys are going to leave and go to other schools. That's what happened with Brady White when Brady White won the job. David Moore left. Brady Davis left. Um, eventually, Connor Adair left, and yeah. uh, Brady McBride left. Like that's how it works. Like these guys want to play, want to play. So, um, yeah, I, like especially a quarterback, for instance. However, that thing shakes out, that competition. Whoever loses will probably look to go somewhere else where they can start. Um, I think that's how that's how it's going to go. And you know, yeah, I think there's going to be transfers. But I think you know, like we saw this off season. There'll be guys that transfer out that you go, man, I wish, you know, kept them. But then there's going to be guys who transfer in who you go, oh, wow, this guy looks pretty good. You know, like, so that's what I was it all even out. When we added, when we lost all of our transfers after we just won the NIT, I was like, oh, man, something's going wrong. And then we landed all these other transfers and commits. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, well, Penny knows what he's doing. He's shaking up this roster. He's getting some playmakers and some ballers so i'm excited you'll never have a problem getting players that that's never going to be the problem there's always the next man in line he's pretty good at that oh yeah for sure well we really appreciate you joining us on this episode today on the proud it's been a pleasure getting the opportunity to talk to you and talk about your background and radio show at 92.9
No problem. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. It was fun talking to you guys. We appreciate it. I'm your host, Robert Roden. And I'm Amy Johnson. Love you guys. Peace. Don't forget to join us next time on The Prowl. With the boys, yeah, we swoops, yeah, we swoops. And we got them high clocks, and we'll shoot, and we'll shoot. With the Mercedes Benz in the